1: Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Grandma! Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com.
2: Hello, welcome to the Five g Plan Podcast. Way Pod four two three. We've got two. Well, one game to review—a two-one defeat at Leicester—and then a big game to preview this Sunday's FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea. Joining me to do that, Jack Pierce is here. Hello to you.
3: Hey, JD. Fresh off making
2: plans for Sunday
3: with my uh, friends and family, so very much thinking about Sunday. Don't tell my employer. But uh, yeah, very excited for, for Sunday <laughs> and maybe right. t- maybe taking up more of my brain space than it should be.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, you've got a sort of a rogue sick day on Monday cooked in. I wonder. It's how a if bank holiday. Got... It's a bank
3: it? holiday. It's w- a yeah. Monday.
2: I wouldn't know. I'm a freelance, so I just bank holidays don't register, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, no, but, um, all good. Oh, all good. Perfectly There's
3: timed. A, the insurance of, in fact, I may have been looking at local uh, pizza delivery companies to see what's on offer in view of Monday's <laughs> hangover. <So>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, depending on what you're planning for Sunday, Maybe take off Tuesday as well, just to give yourself that little... I may have already
3: that done that. I <laughs> have already done
2: that. Speaking of plans, I should say, before I introduce our other guests as well, we do have a semi-final FYP meetup on Saturday um, at the Eagle Ale House in Clapham. It's about a 15-minute walk from Clapham Junction and Clapham South Tube Station. Do check your travel before you come because there are re- reduced services, I think, in and out of Clapham Junction this weekend because it's Easter weekend. But we'll be there from about 4pm till late um patrons invited non-patrons invited there'll be some fyp faces there do come down share a drink with us and hopefully we can get uh, the weekend going there before hopefully a good day on sunday um but anyway our second guest this week is sean webb sean welcome back Hey, you doing?
4: very well thanks jd how are you
2: not too bad at all have you got your plan sorted for sunday you know what my tickets just come through the door oh Boy. look at that just gonna, scre- I'm
4: just gonna screenshot oh. that qr code sean hang that up again anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm absolutely buzzing for sunday
2: can't wait top man oh. we'll come on to that later on of course lots of questions about that before we do that let's before we do anything let's get a drum roll for a random patron please it's mr luke white hey luke Hello, Luke. Thanks for joining. You can get all the rewards like Luke does, including post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only Discord club at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-Y-P podcast. And I'm delighted to say this week we are sponsored by our good friends at Eternity Home Finance. They're a Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run, mortgage and property Uh, mortgage and protection advisors for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages or property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Right, Jack, people will probably be fast-forwarding through the pod now, trying to get to the preview part. Of course, we're going to talk about Chelsea later on. We do have a game to get through first, of course. Palace did go to the King Power and lost 2-1 to Leicester in that battle for 10th spot unfortunately (laughs) lost ground a little bit there before we get on to anything let's talk about a certain player and that player is Joel Ward who of course came on for the injured Tyreek midway through the first half and has been the subject of abuse online and as soon as I saw as soon as I saw him come on and then I saw the abuse you were the first person I thought of so what do we think of all this?
3: So I, I watched the game back later. So live, I was keeping updated um, via social media. And uh, the descriptions that were on Twitter in particular made me think both of the goals had come via a mistake from Joel or down Leicester's right and then Joel, you know, not, not doing his job properly. It couldn't be further from the truth. So by the time I saw the goals and then watched the game back full, couldn't be further from the truth. The first goal seems to come from uh Wilf not holding it up on the on the halfway line and uh and, and they make their way to Lookman who who then puts it past quieter And the second goal is a is a miscontrol from Mark Gay and they make the most of that and it's a very good finish by Jewsbury Hall. So I I, I'm surprised. Then I watched the game back, and yes, Wardy's passing is not fantastic, and he doesn't play the free flowing style that that you would hope your fullback would in in the modern game. But I mean, compared to the the grief and abuse he was getting on Twitter, his performance certainly did not justify it. And I think Wardy has very much become an easy target for some Palace fans to um, to associate with when it's not going as well as it has, you know, I, I just think Woody coming in, anyone coming to that back four that has played so well and kept a sequence of clean sheets it has been so steady since Klein came in. Uh, I think it was the Chelsea game in mid February. They've been a very settled back four. So I think anyone coming in would take some time to adjust. He's also playing at left back. He's not played at left back for a long time. I can't remember the last time he played at left back. Um, and he is limited um, in terms of his ball distribution, but in terms of his positioning and his defensive work, i Thought it was fine, um, so for him to get the degree of abuse he did, um, yeah, was was just very peculiar. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think he would have looked at Twitter. So I hope it. I, I don't think it would have taken the gloss off of what was a very important day for him. You know, his three hundredth appearance for the club, which um, I would think puts him in the top 15, top 20 Palace players of all time in terms of appearances. That's a hell of an achievement. Did some research before. David Payne has 326 and he's 10th on the list. So, you know, Wardy's not too far behind that. But yeah, the degree of abuse is just too much. And and I'll go into more detail about Joel in the next part, if you will, J.D.
2: Oh, a little teaser. We well, you know it was the Chelsea game because uh, Sean came on, I think the week before and said Joel Ward will uh, definitely play <laughs> loads of Palace. And then he got dropped immediately. So maybe a Sean in a minute can tell us that he'll, jo- Joel Ward will never play again. Uh, maybe. Maybe he'll rack up 400. Who knows? Um, I do think that the, the thing with Wardy, I noticed this in the second half, is that obviously he doesn't have the pace that Tyreek has. So when Wilf is getting the ball in the right wing, there's no overlap because he hasn't got legs to do it. So, so that, that does mean the defence isn't quite stretched in the same sort of way, which we know is the way that Vieira likes to play. But I mean, to be honest, I, we I even thought possibly when Tyreek went off that it was going to be... Um, uh, Macker coming on into midfield and then Slupi at left back or something like that. But but you know he, he did what he did and, and as you say Ward didn't really let Palace down. And we, we will go into it more. I, I think I think you've just one t-
3: question. JD is as you were there and seeing the goals live, were people around you with their eyes actually on the game criticizing Joel
2: Ward at that moment in time? Well, I was next to my dad, who oh, I don't think has criticized a Palace player in 65 <laughs> years of watching palace uh, and i was right behind the hf who were just singing so i thought i didn't really hear anything to be honest but no i did it certainly didn't sound like people were doing it. and in right, the post-match uh, pod as well it didn't it didn't come up either as well so um i, th- I think maybe it's a tw- it's a it's a twitter thing really very much so yeah. um but the, the thing is sure that really summed up the game didn't it because it was a couple of defensive errors which yeah. um was a sort of the mark of the palace of the start of the season which did seem to get ironed out and down the other end Palace have got very clinical recently. Um, we saw that in the Arsenal game. Um, and yet this week, it was a couple of mischances early on, which sort of Chelsea pointed out in the post-match pod. So it was almost sort of going back to sort of Palace of earlier in the season, really.
4: Yeah, that's how it felt, isn't it? Um, we had, a, I think if said it goes in, I think it could be a very different game. Um, and one, I, I thought they just closed us down so well. Um, I think they really played us um, they did a good job at that. So one thing I noticed particularly was that Schlock and Kiate were just under way more pressure than they have been in recent weeks. Um, so, you know, you've got to give Leicester credit there. They, they definitely knew how to play against us. And um, we didn't really have an answer for it until sort of in the second half. Um, but yeah, I, I think once they took control, it was sort of, I think it was a fair sort of two nil almost, like, especially at the start of the second half when you're thinking, oh gosh, yeah. you
5: know,
4: we look, we look a bit down and out here. Um, but, I think that's where this team is different is that despite that and despite, you know, sort of starting quite well and then just, Oh, all of a sudden it's two nil. Oh dear. Back to the wall. And most palace fans at that point, you know, history would tell you that you'd probably go, well, that's that then. But the difference with this team is, is that they did fight back. Despite still not playing particularly brilliant, the subs made a difference and we were in the game until the last minute, really. So I think there's still lots of positives to take. I think, We'll look back on this game as a bit of a blip rather than, you know, that horrible, tarnishing game that ruined that brilliant run. Yeah, um, I don't think we'll remember this game at the end of the season anyway, to be honest. Um, but there's still lots of positives to take. Um, and uh, I think Eze coming on, he, he he helped change the game a little bit as well. So, yeah. Um, I just, hopefully we just won't remember this one.
2: Let's <laughs> <laughs> just talk about Chelsea now. Um, no, I'm glad you mentioned Eze. I thought he was, he was good when he came on. And I think he might come up in part four when we preview um when we preview the game and and again it did feel almost like that leicester game from the start of the season which of course was 2-0 at halftime again and then 2-2 full time at halftime some of us are saying they can't they can't do it again surely can they and they did come close to be fair after the wolf penalties there was a couple of scrambles on the goal line and you know another day they get get poked in and it is 2-2 um on the penalties jack i mean i don't think we need to even ask was it a penalty it's actually stone cold foul on are you in the box um a slightly weird situation in Wolf missing the first and then for encroachment missing the second. And of course I was thinking anyone with anyone in their fantasy team, my word, you're going to get so many minus points, but then heading in the rebound and then I'm sorry, mate, we're going back to Twitter again, seemed to wind up anyone who isn't a palace fan by celebrating the goal. No differently really to how Wolf normally sort of celebrates a goal, but it seems to have really got in the heads of a lot of non-palace fans. And Achini one of our regular listeners, has said, is that the best ever wind-up performance by a Palace player?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Probably would be better if we'd taken the three points as well, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, what I love with Wilf is wherever he is, whoever we're playing, the population of Watford just skip a heartbeat every time he does anything. (laughs) So it's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Um, You know, I'm I'm sorry that anybody's offended that Wilfred Zaha celebrated scoring a goal, whether it's a rebound from a penalty, it's come off his backside or it's 30 yards out. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, You know, it's just so bizarre. He does seem to have it uh, in, in a way that no other player in the Premier League gets it in terms of, you know he could do his shoelaces and it would wind someone <laughs> flipping in Hertfordshire up. I don't. I just don't understand it. It's a completely bizarre, completely bizarre situation. Um, but no, the penalties. Um, yeah, the, the first one was a decent save. The second one wasn't a great penalty, but he's you know uh, aware enough to to do what he does and scored what is a relatively rare headed goal for Wilf. Yeah. So um, that that's one for the for the record books. But no, you know he's, his penalty technique. It's not necessarily for me, I don't think it's the, the most um assured penalty technique, but he doesn't shy away from it. You'd think after the miss at Norwich, there maybe were conversations in the dressing room, but clearly Wilf has got the trust of his manager and the other players to keep on taking penalties. And and what you know of Wilfred is he'll always show whether that's for a set piece or whether it's to keep getting the ball to take on his fullback. So um he did it and then celebrated a goal, which he then got <laughs> abused for. Um so yeah, it's just it's just amazing. What was um particularly odd about that exchange was just how wound up Schmeichel got. I I didn't really understand why he was so involved. I mean, he's very much his father's son in that sense of wanting to be part of, part of everything. Um, yeah and he's I, such a
4: wind-up merchant how can he get annoyed about someone else winding him up
3: yeah exactly I saw the look
4: on his face I was like oh come on mate you know what yeah. you're playing at like yeah. yeah it's like those who bully and then are, are shocked when they get bullied back and they get some like, grief can't...
3: back yeah yeah it, it was an odd one but yeah I think um I think Wilfred did blow him a kiss as he went back to the center circle which was <laughs> nice and then um and then I think had a bit of a exchange with James Madison on the way so yeah I think Wilf had a, a nice afternoon in that sense but no, it's not to be knocked. And I know it came in a defeat, but I think that's Wolf's 11th Premier League goal of the season, which makes it um with still seven games to go, his most prolific Premier League season um mm. ever. So that's that's to be nodded to. And I am keeping an eye where this kind of recent flurry of goals keeps putting him in terms of uh the the all-time Premier League list. And he's now he's currently 83rd. That was his um uh, 58th Premier League goal. He's now joint 83rd with. Uh, First name, Peter, if anybody wants to... Crouch? No,
2: Peter Beardsley. Oh, really? uh, Yeah. Peter Beardsley got 50-something Premier League goals.
3: Yeah, yeah. Despite starting his career in 1937, (laughs) he still scored plenty of goals. (laughs) So, um, yeah, uh, he's now uh, joined 83rd, just with Peter... And his next one will take him into the top eighty Premier League goal scorers of all time. So, wow. for little old Palace, it's not bad, is yeah, it? It's not so, too bad, so, is it? Um, yeah. In fact, I might go around Watford town centre on an open top bus <laughs> and just read out little <laughs> career statistics in, in in the summer when I've got a few weekends spare. I might, I might, you know, get a bus and, and see what damage I can do in in Hertfordshire.
2: Well, but let me know uh, yeah. when you do because I'll put. Sorry, sorry, yeah, you have a weekend around. away. I'll, I'll pop yeah, you down. Can, you I'll get out of the town, and, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll do a, a house swap. <laughs> we'll
3: do a house swap for the weekend
2: or something, JD. Yeah, yeah okay. And I'll have a lovely day by the coast. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, Michael was 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 in Will's face before the penalty, and we were sort of saying actually, uh, what. Well, in the stadium. That's a yellow card, surely. I, I, I know it's become a trend hmm. for keepers now, but I think it's probably a yellow for that amount of sort of winding up. But whatever. It seems to be a thing now. And actually, Schmeichel probably argued that it actually worked, seeing as he literally missed two penalties um in a row. But never mind. Um we are going to come on Sean to Chelsea, of course, in part four, but we've had a couple of questions that I'll just sort of stick in here. Um from JP two. Hi, JP. Hey, JP.
3: Does that make me JP one?
2: <laughs> it makes you jp1 yeah well, i was thinking uh, john Philippe matetta maybe but, um, um who knows well,
3: fair, well i'm not at the same level as john felipe you're Mateta. probably i'd
2: say he's jp2 you're jp1 i'd say mate um, me, frustrating me. frustrating loss uh when we've been playing so well but did you pick up a sense of preoccupation ahead of the semi-final the decision to take yes. mitchell off <laughs> seemed very cautious Uh, disappointed with the online fan reaction to disproportionately put. Thank you, JP. Maybe it is for Tesha, actually. Um, And Spoon Bill McHumpty has also said something similar. Hello, Spoon Bill. Feels like the result was was inevitable. A week before Wembley, no one wants an injury. If Mitchell was out, who would you start at left back? We'll we'll come on to the replace Mitchell thing later on in part three. But... um, Ray Ward, one of our patrons, also said, so, no, Ray Ward has said, my question to Bob is, do we care? It's all about next week. What do we think, Sean? Do we think the play? I mean, players are professionals. And I know they, the the old cliche is one game at a time. But I guess with a big game like that looming, it is maybe difficult to take it out of your mind.
4: Yeah, I mean, I noticed after the game, the managers and the manager and the players all, all said that it was a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's quite a good thing. It's kind of what maybe they needed going into a semi-final that you know you shouldn't rest on your laurels and expect to just keep getting results without being our best. And the truth is, we weren't our best on Sunday, and that's why we lost. So, you know, there was those all those little things that we've been doing so well in this run. Leicester were just slightly quicker to the ball, slightly better at the press. Um, You know, we kind of seemed to lose our way a little bit. So, I think, and also knowing that we won't have Gallagher, you know, taking him off and then actually looking slightly better um, with Eze. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a few positives there to take from it. But I think, I th- yeah, they, they, they definitely wanted to obviously get a result. But I think in a way, the loss might actually be a better learning for this team going into the biggest game of the season. Um, and for a lot of their, I guess a lot of those players, the biggest game in their career.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, so, you know, I think it's a good learning.
2: I mean, exactly, Jack, what do you want? Do you want to lose 2-1 at Leicester before a semi-final or win 6-0 at Southampton? Now, you'd probably say 2-1 at Leicester, wouldn't you?
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely have taken a defeat rather than a 6-0 glorious away victory.
2: It's a false sense of security, surely, for Chelsea.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, they, they might not even turn up. It might be like a Scotland versus Estonia vibe where we just <laughs> do the, the kick-off and win. I don't know, but it's, it was interesting... Kind of discussion before the game as to what Vieira would do, but it was also the same conversation for, for Leicester and Brendan Rogers in that they've got a pretty big, I'm pretty sure they play this Thursday again against yeah. PSV in the Europa yeah. conference league. So you've got Vieira who stuck to his same team in order of maintaining consistency and, and keeping that 11 together, albeit he played Gallagher who he knows won't be available next Sunday. Um, and then Rodgers did make changes between two European conference games. So you know, you went with one manager who freshened it up a bit more, you know, dropped Harvey Barnes, dropped Ineanacho and played Daka and Lukman from the start. Lukman scored and and Daka was, was a threat in the channels for them. Whereas we stuck to the same 11 and it perhaps didn't work as much. So, it's a really interesting one because Vieira, it's his first time going into a semi-final. So, he, he's probably leaning on the advice of Ossian Roberts yeah. and, and saying, you know, what what should we do? I I'd agree with Sean wholeheartedly about, you know, the, the bonus of the game was getting Jimmy Mack and, and Ebbs minutes in the second yeah. half, both of whom are contenders to fill that um, uh, Gallagher hole in the in the starting 11 from, from Seto. I have seen that some people suggest that maybe both will start and Schlupp will be dropped. I think that'd be incredibly hard on Schluppy given his, his run of form over the last um, six weeks or so. Although... I guess he might be, nest- me, uh, be needed to to on a left-back if if Tyreek doesn't make it. But yeah, it- it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Just the Tyreek thing, very quickly. I was relatively assured by the body language of all concerned about Tyreek. He went down, was about to take a throw, and then got hooked, kind of walked around the corner, understanding the decision, but not best pleased. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that makes me think it was more precautionary. I, I think that if your 2 fullbacks to that start on Sunday are Klein and Ward, I think Ward would start right back and Klein would start left back. And I think if it was a severe enough injury and Vieira wanted to see what that back four looked like without Tyreek, I think he just swapped Nathaniel Klein to left back and Joel Ward would have come over and played at right back. So I, I, I'm, there's no science based on that. That's purely my instinct. But I, I, I'm quite chilled out about Tyreek. I think there's a good chance we'll see Tyreek
2: start next Sunday. Well, that would be that would be very good indeed. Of course, we will find out on Sunday as well. I think I think actually there's a lot of truth in what Sean said about the the, the players saying uh, it was a wake up call. And actually, I think hopefully that will actually I think play in their favour and and hopefully mean that they are fo- as focused as possible um, going into the game. Although, guys, for the semi final, maybe you can't ever be not focused on it. But it'll be interesting, I think, to see what happens. And uh, we'll talk about. The Tyreek and the Gallagher situation, of course, in part four, really quickly before we go on to uh, winners and losers, Stephen Goldring. Hello, Stephen. Steven says, I blame Pepsi. I do too. Stephen. I tried to find a bottle of Coke. They don't serve it. They serve Pepsi in a glass. I knew at that moment at halftime, weren't getting anything from the game. So uh, there we go. Um, right. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our winners and losers. <laughs>
1: Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more
2: Welcome back to the Five-Year Plan Podcast. We pod four twenty three uh, sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance dot com and quote the code FYP. Right, winners and losers. This is a patron only section, of course. So if you're listening to this and you're not a patron, do sign up to hear our winners and losers. It's at patron dot com, p a t r e o n dot com slash fyp podcast. Uh, and if you're on the public feed, you'll now hear a clip from the post match pod this weekend. Uh, So let's make that split now. Okay, well, let's start with you then, because I know you guys, you and your son, have got to catch a train. Um, We had a fantastic run going into this. I think it was for, certainly four clean sheets on the bounce, I think. What happened first half? Because it wasn't quite the Palace we have seen in the last couple of months, is it?
9: No, I mean, I think, to be fair, Leicester played well they're a good team they haven't had a great season for them but they are actually a good team and you know it was relatively even I thought we weren't carving out lots of chances neither were they a couple of mistakes and uh, all of a sudden we're 2-0 behind and uh,
2: then it's a mountain to climb which we almost climbed but uh, but didn't well a home game of course was 2-0 down at half time which we were talking about at half time thinking surely JD surely they can't do it again obviously it, it wasn't to be although as Mark says it was a much, better, much improved second half and we'll come onto the subs later on so I'm sure they made a difference. I thought Ebbs is very good. Now we were looking at, we, as we said before, you're a man who lost your stats, of course, and, and, and thankfully everyone at Leicester had really ac- um, accommodated you there by doing lovely, every five minutes or so, little, little stats on the, uh, on the Jumbotron, yeah. and as Mark says, it did paint the picture of a, an even first half, and in fact an even game overall, but it was these defensive errors that allowed Leicester in front.
10: Yes, it, it was clearly one very clear defensive error for the second goal, and again a bit for the first, um, and that, so that they won the last five minutes of Okay, very not, not clearly yes. um, and in the beginning of the second half again they were they were on us for this first 10 to 15 minutes um, we looked possibly even a little shaky at that time but yes. once we had the substitutions we came back and we pushed the, the dial a little bit in our, our favour in fact and ended at the end we said very even and very close to getting a second goal
2: would have been lovely to have seen second goal um, it was a um, it was almost mark a bit like sort of palace of first half of the season that that shaky first 45 minutes and then second half much better and obviously in the last few months actually it's kind of not even gone the other way. We've just been so good in the first half. We've then sort of then played out in the second half professionally. Did it against uh, against Watford, against Arsenal on Monday night. Very good against Man City for the, uh, the uh, across the game. Today we saw, as JD says, a very high press from Leicester early on, and with Palace insisting on playing across the back, which they've done obviously all season, and we know they're going to do it. But it did lead to some of those those errors. Um, what do you think it was that took us back to this kind of Palace of early? Was it was it just simply defensive errors? Was it that the Leicester pressed high? was there I mean there was no formation change can you put a finger on it or was it a sort of combo of all all those things well I'm I'm probably going to be booed for saying this (laughs) but I do think
9: unfortunately Tyreek Mitchell going off and Joel Ward coming on did make a difference unfortunately and I I did think we were discussing it at half time what would have been a different substitution to make Uh, but putting Joel Ward who hasn't played for ages in as a left back was always going to be difficult for him and I think although you couldn't necessarily point to an obvious mistake that he made with regard to either of the goals. I just think we looked shakier once he was the, once Mitchell had gone off. And almost, perhaps it wouldn't have mattered who came on as the left back. Uh, we just looked shakier, and I think that you know that did make a difference.
2: Jack Pierce will be um, crying into his pint right now, listening to this and furiously pumping the table with his fists. Uh, but the only person that gets booed, by the way, is Adam Sales on this pocket. Don't worry, <laughs> you're you're absolutely free of, of that. What what change? I mean, obviously, it's very easy for us as armchair managers to talk about this after the event what change would you have gone for well I mean
9: I suppose fundamentally the problem is we don't have a proper left back substitute so any combination would have been difficult you know could have put Schlupp on as the left back brought MacArthur in but then you would have had to take someone off who would you have taken off how would that have worked um, or Riederval I don't even know if he was on the bench but Riederval can play so he wasn't even on the bench so there really wasn't much that uh, um, uh, Vieira could do. You know, the only possibility otherwise would have been to put Ward on as a right-back, which is his natural position, and switch Klein to a left-back. And he has played as a left-back, not necessarily... For us, maybe he did back in 2008-2009, but he has played as a left-back, and unfortunately I do think he is a better player, certainly at the moment, he is a better player than Ward.
2: Yeah, you're right, Ward's rustiness I think did share a bit. Obviously, we all love Joe Ward on this podcast, and that, that, that will never change, but you said it as Tyreek went down, JD, you did say that the one the one player you don't want to go down. As Mark says, there's a real lack of backup there. We we thought potentially Schlappi might come on and Macca go into the middle, but... Um, it is a hard one when there isn't really a sort of an obvious replacement. And as, as Mark says, yeah, I guess really, um, given how good Tyreek has been recently against some of the best wide right players in the league. I mean, the way he kept Saka quiet on Monday night was superb. I guess you are going to lose a little bit of your sol- solidarity, and um, yeah, maybe that did sway the game in Leicester's favour.
10: No, no, I agree with you there. Ward coming on. Did unsettle? It's funny. It seemed to unsettle us, and yet Ward didn't really do anything wrong. Misplaced pass didn't cost us anything. But somehow or other, the people around him weren't quite. It seemed unse- slightly uncertain. I don't know. I don't know whether I, I didn't really sense that. But we made the mistakes. Un- Madison, I think, was being kept very quiet by Mitchell. And Madison actually started coming a little bit more into it for the next, well, certainly for the 10 minutes to the end to the end of the, the first half and a bit into the second half. So yes, I think it's just unfortunate. Uh, I'm inclined to think in retrospect we probably would have had that uncertainty, whoever we put in at left back, we were still settling ourselves down, which we eventually did in the second half. Yeah, um, should we talk about some other players? I mean, JPM
2: up top, we know he, he runs his heart out, and uh, you, you made a really good point that after they'd made the three subs, it meant that JPM we think completed his first 90 minutes? I think so, so once again someone
9: may fact check that, <laughs> but I think normally he goes off around 60 yeah. minutes
2: so. Yeah, cause he d- and he did seem a bit leggy towards the end, didn't he, to be yeah, fair, because you, you know what you're going to get from him, but those last 20 minutes it's um, he's sort of running on empty. Yes,
9: yeah he, he, he definitely was, and uh, um, you know, having said that, Jordan I definitely put in a shift and was continuing to work very hard, everyone else did, but I think JPM—he's he's, a—he's a big lad, and uh, eventually he just
2: runs out of puff. Yeah, it's a shame because obviously he's been playing very well for us recently. anyway right that's when it's losers done if you heard that you're a patron congratulations we love you loads if you didn't hear that then you're on the public feed but you can join our patron patron patron.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash f-y-p podcast to hear that every week and post-match podcasts as well Um, right after the break we're going to preview the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea
7: Progressive
8: covers pets in our auto policy at no extra charge. Now let's see what your dog has to say.
2: As a dog, I think Progressive's auto pet policy is... Oh, what is that? That's just Mattel. tail. <laughs> Weird. Anyway.
8: Progressive protects... There it is again. See? This is why I need protection. I'm so distracted. Nope, that is still my Progressive auto insurance covers pets for up to $1,000 in a car accident at no extra charge. And we think your dog would say that's great too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms.
2: Welcome back to part three of the five-year plan podcast. Oy. Sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance for a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios. Email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. We've gone straight to our preview this week because pretty much every question we've had, I know part three is normally questions. Every question is about Sunday's game at Wembley, So We're going to dive straight in. Before we do that, though, I'm sure everyone is aware of the absence of a certain FYP podcast panel member who has links to Chelsea, who would be ideal to have right now to preview this game. But unfortunately, Dom couldn't make it. But he has said to me he's happy to do a little preview later on today. So we're going to cut, assuming I can get him on the phone, right now to Mr. Chelsea. Sorry, Mr. Palace himself, Dom Fifield. (coughs) You didn't think we'd do an episode previewing Palace Chelsea at the semi-final without talking to Tom Firefield, of course we wouldn't do that. Tom, thanks very much for jumping in here in the podcast. How are you?
11: I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm yes, I'm, I forgot that. Yes, I've clearly this is Celsius doing, isn't it? Thinking about it,
2: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we, can't, we can't we can't blame he's not here to defend himself we can't uh we can't blame adam um how are you before we get into chelsea specific stuff ahead of uh, the weekend um how are you feeling i was we were chatting to the other two lads uh, Sean and jack earlier just about emotions ahead of the weekend how are you feeling
11: um look i'm really looking forward to it i'm looking forward to uh, a, a a proper day out supporting Palace at at Wembley with friends and family um, I don't have huge expectations about the game really um, partly because of some of the injuries that seem to be affecting Palace uh, partly because uh, I, I, I <laughs> on, a, on a completely personal level uh, I'm not sure the listeners even are interested in this, but anyway, like, I, I, I would I would love to have been going there with my with my lad, but I I, he's away this weekend, so I, I, that that can't happen. Um, and that's almost almost been a bit of a dampener on it. But I, I'm sure once I get into the stadium and see the red and blue and and see that the team that's been selected uh, and 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 feel the, the mood around the place and the optimism that has really touched so many of Crystal Palace's recent performances that, that I'll, I'll, like everybody else in that ground will be really up for it. And, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I can't wait. It's it's seeing Palace at Wembley is a complete privilege. Um, yeah. It really is, and we should never really lose sight of that. It's uh, it'll be a fantastic occasion. Semi-finals are often g- much better than finals um, with Crystal Palace in particular. So let's hope that it's a, it's a brilliant day Sunday.
2: Well, you can get more fans into the semi as well. So that yeah, that exactly. Nearly always better because there's, there's fewer sort of corporate people who don't really have a, an investment either way. And yeah. I, it's funny because I think. We've been treated to quite a lot of Wembley trips in the last decade or so, so it actually kind of feels like oh, we're back here at Wembley again. But really, compared to a team like Chelsea, it is few and far between for us, really. So I think we, yeah, uh, I think we just enjoy it while we can. I mean, the, the fact that really brought that
11: home to me was was writing on one of the. It was actually after the quarter final game against Everton, um, the fifth FA Cup semi final in Palace's history coming up now, a massive moment for Crystal Palace. It's actually the fifth in six seasons for Chelsea.
2: Wow! Well, there you go. Do Chelsea fans just see it? Is, is, is it just different for them? Is it just not the same as supporting a? Oh, look, I,
11: I, I don't know. I don't know because I'm not a Chelsea fan, Jim. <laughs> um, that was
2: not what I was getting. At. <laughs> I just maybe you might have heard things. But well, the, 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 the reality—I I
11: suspect that with a lot of these clubs that, that are going back and are expecting to to win trophies and, and semifinals are sort of a minor irritance on, on routes to winning a, a trophy. <laughs> um, I, my mind always goes back to Wembley way post-match in 2016 after the final, um, you know, consoling little people, uh, little lads who, who hadn't really expected, um, or hadn't been prepared for the, for the, for the sense of deflation after a loss. Yeah. But, but moreover, Looking up and seeing people, Manchester United supporters ahead of us in the queue for the tube, when the state, you know, back in the stadium, they were still lifting the trophy, but it didn't matter to them. They, you know, it didn't matter. We do this every year. Well, you know, they haven't done it so much recently. So <laughs> maybe, maybe the nature of Chelsea football clubs about to change as well. So we, we can but hope.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, if there's anyone listening who is it's a bit younger and maybe has only seen Palace in the Premier League in the last 10 years or so, and uh, you know, this doesn't happen very often. So do enjoy it. Some of us have had to sit through some absolute dirge to watch Palace get to get to <laughs> Wembley fairly recently, or you know, a few times in the last few years. So do enjoy. It. I, I remember walking out of the 96 playoff final against Leicester. Cry, very much being a younger fan, being consoled by my dad and, and crying. Little did I know, a year later, he'll be back and it'll be one of the best days ever. So you never know with Palace; you never know at all. Um, before we get into the uh, Chelsea stuff, um, f- futures since nineteen eighty five—that's their Twitter handle, I think. High or, futures. Or, 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 hi futures Ask Dom who has the most chaos factor: Verna or Mateta? And then he's attached a quote of you talking about Verna having chaos, apparently, on uh, straight out of Cobham. But if you had to, if there was, a, if there was X chaos for those two.
11: I, I actually think J P. Mateta would have would have more chaos, um, more of a chaos factor because he allies the um, the sort of wild running, and I I mean Timo Werner is very much a wild runner as well. He's a bit like Sonic the Hedgehog, um, but he he allies it with 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 a, f- a physique that that the Werner can't match, and yeah. it's 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 really the thought of. JP Mateta running it to you as a centre half, and not knowing what he's a what he's going to do, b what he's doing, and and see what he he might be able to do, which probably um, conjures the, the fear of the of of the un, great unknown. But look, I mean, Timo Werner is very good at playing on the counter attack. Um, I would suggest that Chelsea. Won't be doing very much counter attacking on Sunday. Um, I might, you know, they might do a bit, but uh, I would su- suspect that they would, they would hope to have a bit more of the ball than, than, than Palace. Um, and in that scenario, Mateta actually is such a useful asset for Palace and spreading a bit of chaos. I suspect he will be the one of the two that starts the game and, mm-hmm. uh, and Chelsea haven't really seen much of him. They I don't think he played in the Sanford Bridge defeat. Or if he did, he was hardly Palace hardly played in that game. But the um he only came on right at the end after Ziyech had scored the what proved to be the winner at Celeste Park. So it's not as if Chelsea's defenders have seen him or uh, are aware of what he can do in the flesh. Um and yeah, let's uh, let's hope that they're you know, the, the corner flags are taking a
2: pummeling come Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes, and there's a big boom, which he has asked
10: for Palace fans to.
2: I do. A Wild Runner definitely sounds like a Tom Petty track that sort of never, <laughs> never made an album. Um, I would listen to that big time. Um, I, I think we're probably expecting Matetta to start alongside Wilf, and I probably are you if Elise is not up to speed.
11: Yeah, I would. I would imagine, slow fitness permitting. I mean, it's a great shame that uh, Lee isn't around. Uh, he, I thought he was good in the in the one 0 defeat to to Chelsea uh, a couple of months back, and he is obviously a big miss. And he's a he's an ex Chelsea player, albeit fleetingly in their academy, and somebody that would have had a point to prove against any of the elite teams. So, if he's not fit to start, that is that's a great great shame I'm just as concerned about Tyreek Mitchell though because quite frankly if you take him out of the team you're, you're losing another dimension of, of of Palace's attacking play but look we don't know we, this is early in the week they've got plenty of time yet um uh, it sounds as if that was mainly precautionary with with Tyreek um let's hope that the that these guys use use this week to prove their fitness and prove that they should be involved from the start um come Sunday because it's a it's a to lose Conor Gallagher is a big enough blow. We don't really need to be losing two of our other key players.
2: Yeah, a lot of questions about Gallagher. JCPFC, Jack, of course, who is uh, one of our patrons. Um, Are Chelsea out of order for not allowing Conor Gallagher to play in the semi?
11: Well, it's a really good question. And I'm a bit confused, if I'm honest, because like many Palace fans, I imagine as soon as the draw was made, I headed straight for the FA Cup (laughs) rule book. (laughs) And as as far as I can... can discern from that Crystal Palace would not have been allowed to play Conor Gallagher against his parent club in this competition. Yeah, I know people are citing Mason Mount and Fikai- Tamori playing against Chelsea for Derby, but that was an Elite Cup tie, not an FA Cup tie. So and not a semi, or not a semi, yes, and not a Jim. What are you doing in your spare time?
2: But uh, oh, oh I, yeah, <laughs> every um, time, every time. <laughs> even if he's not on the on the pod full time. <laughs> <you should imagine, laughs> um, look, I,
11: I, 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 as far as I'm aware, I, he's not. He he wouldn't have been allowed to do it. So. Look, I mean, fair play, Palace, for, for trying, and but I think the rules would probably have frustrated them if I've read them correctly. Uh, if 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 I've got that completely wrong, and the rules would have allowed it if the agreement could have been reached between the clubs, uh, Chelsea have been scarred by this before. We've spoken about this in the past, they they, they forgot to put a clause in Thibaut Courtois' loan contract at Atletico Madrid back in the day, and he ended up playing and doing very well against them in a Champions League semi-final back in 2014. Um, there is no way they're ever falling for that mistake again Again, in, in an elite competition where they feel as if they could be up against somebody who could beat them. Yeah. Atletico could. I mean, they clearly thought that Derby County is a championship team, even under Frank Lampard. Um yeah were not going to be a sufficient threat. Uh, so Chelsea were never going to let that happen. Is it out of order? Well, no, it's, it's what happens when you take a lone player from a club, unfortunately, um, you know, you can have your criticisms about hoarding players, uh, but Connor Gallagher did come through the academy. So I don't think we can really level up at them for that one. And it's, it's a great shame. Uh, I, it's sad to hear that he was shaken uh, on the training ground when, he discovered the draw um, and oh. that that got to him. Um, Patrick Vieira said that, you know, he, he was visibly upset to, because to learn he that he, because he knew he couldn't play. Yeah, that's oh, like Chelsea. Gazza in
2: 1990.
11: Yeah. But you know what? You know what? It beat Chelsea, get back for the final.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's the element of Jack's question. Is it unfair, maybe not on Palace, but on him? Or is it again, just one of these things? I think Conor Gallagher
11: as an England international, uh, a Chelsea player, albeit he hasn't been a regular yet, I'm sure he believes that his time will come and he will have the conviction in his own ability to uh, that he will. There will be plenty of opportunities to play at Wembley in competitive games for his club sides and indeed to, to lift trophies for whoever he ends up playing with, most likely Chelsea. Um, so I, I don't think, I think once the initial disappointment will have receded, because he he clearly feels part of this group. He clearly yeah. feels as if he's yeah. made, played a major part in what Palace have achieved this season. Um, once that has subsided, and... Um, uh, he, uh, he he looks forward to to, to next season or beyond. I, there will be plenty of opportunities for him to to claim major trophies at the National Stadium, etc. I'm actually going to head down to Dorking Wanderers on Good Friday this week to see whether he goes to watch his brother play down there because he he did that last time. Yeah. Chelsea play Palace that weekend. He went and watched his brother play instead. Um, obviously, the, the guys may have training on Friday, though, whether he would be involved. I don't know so close to the game. So they're playing, I can't remember they're playing Chippenham Town or something like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether he does turn up at, uh, at Meadowbank to watch uh, his
2: brother's team play. Meadowbank, of course, former ground of uh, non-league <laughs> legend, Jim Daly. Reserves, um, <laughs> they are quite a tight knit family, aren't they? So uh, that would yeah. be nice, actually. I think the four, four brothers, I think,
11: isn't it? And they all play. I think so yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they've various different levels. One of them's a manager now, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a very much a footballing family.
2: Oh, I like that. Um, uh, on Gallagher's place, then Dave Manley. So did did Eze play himself into Gallagher's place when he came on? Uh, he was very good uh, at the weekend. Changed the game for me uh, personally. Good against Everton as well. What are you expecting in terms of that midfield now?
11: Uh, it's a really good question because I think there's a choice. To, much of it will depend on whether Tyreek is fit at left back, and whether I mean, if he isn't, then I suppose there's an argument on one level that that Jeffrey Schlup has to drop in there um, rather than Joel Ward, who, who, as much as we love Joel, and it was brilliant to see him get his three onto the appearance at the weekend. Um, he we need the, the balance from fullback in this formation and, and uh, we become lopsided if you've got a, a right footed player playing at the left. So maybe Jeffrey Shook could fit in there. And if that's the case, then you'd imagine the midfield three would be as a and MacArthur. If Tyreek is fit, um, I think Schlupp has done enough recently to show that he warrants a place in midfield. Um, Kiate clearly plays as a defensive player but and then I think it's a straight choice between MacArthur and Eze and given it's Chelsea I wonder whether he may go MacArthur to start off with and maybe get 60 minutes from him and then bring Eze on which you know Eze is another player that we've spoken about a lot on the pod and we 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 desperate to see him do well and, and he I think of late Everton and Leicester, he has been sharp and he has looked as if he's more himself. He's not the same type of player as Conor Gallagher by any stretch of the imagination. He's not going to be all action, box to box and uh, an endless, endless, endless running, which is what Conor Gallagher provides to this this Palace team and the forward momentum. And, and actually, when you put it into that context, Jimmy Mack, even at 46 years old, is probably going to provide you with more of that industry. Yeah to to play the system than, than Eberichieze Eze is but but you know it's a uh, as I say it may well be dictated by fitness concerns in other parts of the team.
2: Fingers crossed, for Tyree Then, really, I think we're all sweating on that and hoping, as you said earlier, that it is sort of more precautionary uh, than anything else. And yeah. Um, yeah, we do we we need him need him more than ever, really. Um, let's switch to Chelsea then, because. Obviously, we should add the caveat. They are playing tonight against Real Madrid. They're 3-1 down from the first leg. I don't know how much that will affect the team Tuchel puts out, which I guess then affects the team at the weekend. I mean, he has incredible riches to choose from. And he I mean, he drops. Who did drop at the weekend? Jorginho didn't play. Um, a couple of others, I think, didn't play as well. But he didn't have any of his...
11: Really, first choice wing backs. I know Marcus Alonso played, but but um, Marcus Alonso is by no means a a, a, a nailed on starter for for, for Chelsea these days. Um, in midfield, he played Kovacic. Uh, he played Ruben Loftus Cheek at right wing back the weekend.
2: Wow, and they still um, won six 0
11: Well, yeah, I mean, look, I I know that result sent sort of shivers of apprehension through a, a, a lot of Palace fans, and. You know, I watched. I watched with a certain apprehension that some Mary's from the from the stands. But the reality is, there is no way on earth Crystal Palace are going to play as poorly and as as obligingly into Chelsea's hands as Southampton did at the yeah. weekend. They it was ridiculous the way that they played the the, the, the game and to play a, a high line high press when actually. You players don't look as if they want to be playing football anymore this season they've had enough they're bored they're on the beach they're finished there's nothing to play for was just asking for trouble and you know for to, to see Timo Werner play like the player that was at Leipzig as opposed to the player that has, has been at Chelsea for the last two years was on the one hand it was revelatory on the other it was like well God, these are, must be bad if they're playing like this, if he's playing like this. And and the reality was, I mean, he had eight chances, hit the hit both posts and the crossbar, um, had forced two really good saves and scored a goal in the o- opening thirty-one minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it was four-nil yeah. up at that point, and it was it was complete procession. But but he could play that team. He 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 could. Uh, I don't know. Reintegrate Kovacic into midfield, which he'll need. He he could get more out of Mount and um, in in a number ten role and, and play the split strikers with with Havertz and Werner. Um, I don't think. I mean, look, some of those personnel will definitely feature in a first choice pa- team against Palace at the weekend. I'm sure Kai Havertz will be leading the line. Romelu Lukaku's got an Achilles problem at the moment, and quite frankly, is is horrifically off the pace. Havertz is the first choice number nine. Um, I think you'll see. A real threat from Mount, a real threat from Pulisic potentially, or from Ziyech, uh from Loftus Cheek, from Werner if he's required. Their midfield is magnificent with Kovacic, with Kante, um, with Jorginho when they're, when they're picked again. Um, but as Tuchel has been stressing, when they're not 100%, when they're not fully focused and committed and firing, Chelsea are distinctly vulnerable. Brentford showed that, mm. Real Madrid showed that, Real Madrid or Real Madrid, but Brentford showed it by going to Stamford Bridge and winning 4-1 four, four with all those goals in the second half. So but on there isn't actually, we shouldn't be here quaking in our boots at the prospects are playing them. They're bloody good, don't get me wrong, they're really good.
2: But on our day, we can, we can be them. So how did Brentford go about doing that then, and how do Palace go about is it simply a case of hoping they're having an off day, or are they are they I, I think you
11: force that. I
2: think you. I think you have to be more.
11: Your intensity has to be greater than theirs. You have to move the ball quicker than they do. They're, they're prone to that. They're prone to sort of ambling through games where their possession doesn't get them very far. Um, they have a lot of lot of the ball, and and sometimes they they lack the ideas and the ingenuity to to bring. Uh, to, more to open up opponents and and, and so sort of infiltrate the lines um you know you can't you know this isn't a game where Palace can they can't concede from a set of play for example we can't get back into bad habits we've got to we've got to be we've got to be at the top of our game absolutely at the top of our game but I think we tested them at Sellers Park I know we didn't have quite as many chances on goal as we would have liked but that was in a in a formation that we had Wolf playing through the middle. Um, I think on this, this occasion, we're more likely to have a more of a battering round style forward who will discomfort the likes of Tiago Silva. The, um, you know, Antonio Rudiger in, in the 98 seconds into the game at St. Mary's, he, he played a, bi- a blind back yeah. pass from virtually on the halfway line and it went straight out of play for a corner. You know, they're, they're not, I think there's a fragility there. And if they get beaten at the Bernabeu um, on, on Tuesday night, Um, you know, what, what demons come flooding back in, you know, you have to, you have to ask, you have to wonder on that because that would be three defeats in four games. And, you know, the one that they won was against the team who'd given up. Um, So it's, it's, it's about intensity. It's about doing what Palace did for long periods of the Everton fixture, and for the opening 25 minutes, half an hour against Arsenal, if you do that, you've got a chance. And then there, clearly there will have to be times where you, we, we're forced back and we we, we defend doggedly, but we've, we've shown we can do that. We did that for 90 minutes plus against Manchester City. Yeah. We did it against Arsenal for the second half. Um, and actually we limited them to very few opportunities at Celeste Park, you know, a few months back, in albeit in a, in a 1-0 defeat. So, you know, it's... It's about, inevitably, it's about Palace playing at the top of their game and hoping that Chelsea are shaken slightly off theirs.
2: And what, what do we want on Wednesday night then? Do we do we want Real to, to smash them and beat them 5-1 on aggregate so they're down and out? Or do we actually want it to go to extra time, 3-1 Chelsea win, come on Chelsea, and so they're lulled into a full sense of security and then have to actually change their team loads and rest players, etc. Et or does it not matter when they're that good?
11: You know what, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I don't know, bearing in mind that they've... <laughs> they've got Arsenal at home on Wednesday next week, which is probably, you know, there was a period where that little it was going to be quite a tight fixture and that Arsenal were closing in on Chelsea in third yeah. place. Now that no longer quite feels the case and they will want to beat Arsenal because it's a, a big London derby as far as they're concerned, bigger than, than their game against, uh, a game against Palace, not the FA Cup semi-final, but a game against Palace. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do they want? I don't know, it's, it's Tuesday night's a long way out from Sunday. That's a shame in some ways yeah. as well. it would be better if it would have been Wednesday for a yeah. Um they'll be back in Cobham small hours of, of Wednesday morning, uh flying back from Madrid. Um they'll probably have a couple of days off, I would imagine, and then and then start addressing work for Sunday on Friday. So I don't think we can I don't think we can worry too much about fatigue, so extra time isn't probably that relevant. Uh I guess ideally we'd like them to be thinking about the defense of the champions league because realistically, if they lose to Real Madrid, the FA cup is the only other trophy they can win this season. You know, they've done very well so far. They won the UEFA super cup. They won the FIFA club world cup. Yeah. They got to the final of the league cup. Um they're going to finish third in the premier league yeah. quarter finals of the champions league, but they'd, they'd want to end the season on a high, which would be the FA cup final. So ideally I, I think we'd like them to go through. So, uh, come on the chelsea he would uh, <laughs> shout out at this point <laughs> one you blues good stuff but Mate, all thanks. this will be completely irrelevant now because when this goes out the game will have happened and yeah, it will be well, done and dusted no, it, it's
2: gonna go out tonight <laughs> which about what are we now an hour from kickoff i think actually so um well anyway thank you very much for joining me i pre- really appreciate that and um i can't believe out of all of that the very prospect of david
11: Blitzer and Josh Harris did not come up at any point in no, any of the questions. it
2: hasn't. Has there been, is, is there no progress? I find on it that?
11: remarkable. That the, the, the deadline, the <laughs> deadline for bids to be, second bids to be submitted for Chelsea is technically Thursday. The, <gasps> the week of? The oh, week of, wow. this Thursday. And then next week, you know, David Blitzer and Josh Harris will be sitting by their phones waiting to get a call from Rain Group, hoping, you know, being told that They've got the Chelsea. Um, like it's, so where
2: are they going to sit at Wembley then? Which end are they going to sit in?
11: Well, that that game will. I, I I tried. I I asked their PRs in the states. You know whether they would be at Wembley, and they wouldn't tell me. I suspect they probably won't be. I, I imagine John Texter will definitely be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I suspect that things are such a delicate stage for for blitzer and harris in terms of their chelsea interests they would they would not risk that by turning up at, at wembley and certainly wouldn't be a good look for them to be seen amongst the uh, the palace contingent if they're if they're intending to buy chelsea uh and you know yeah to be honest if they're at wembley they should be in the they should be in the palace contingent because they are co-owners of <laughs> yeah. crystal palace football club um but it's it's just it's an interesting subplot to it all and one that shouldn't necessarily go forgotten um the, I, I, it's no one knows who is going to get Chelsea out of these four groups that are bidding. Um, all the respective groups are very confident their own bid is, a, is untouchable and should, and should, should get like, yield the club. Um, but we wait to find out what Rain Group have, have decided next week. And, and then whatever happens, it's a really interesting period for Crystal Palace because if they get it, then what happens to their shareholding? And if they, if they don't, um, how are they considered by the fan base and how are they reintegrated back into the fold? It's quite a, an interesting dynamic for the for the weeks and the months to come after this game.
2: Because they've now certainly nailed their colours for the mast.
11: Well, not publicly, but yes, they have. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the reality of it. And I think everybody's well aware of that now.
2: So it'd be very strange for their last game as owners of, of Crystal Palace to beat the club they're about to buy. I mean what a weird situation to be in. But you let's, know
11: let's hope they're put in that position,
2: Football <laughs> Football's a funny old game. It's <laughs> a funny old game, Saint. Um right, anyway, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate that. Um see are you working Sunday? Are you in the stands?
11: No I'm very much in the uh, very much in the stands. I'm looking forward to uh yeah to to seeing a few friendly faces and and um hopefully bump it to you at some point jd and and uh, yeah let's uh, let's hope it's a good day
2: lovely well we might see maybe post-match for uh, i think we're going to do a special post-match pod for the patrons with with as many faces as possible so we'll hopefully try and bump into you at some point um but yeah top man enjoy the game and thanks very much for joining us
0: When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best, Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, Or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But Executive Chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at OrlandoForBusiness.com.
2: Hopefully, Dom was there, guys. Uh, if not, then that was a very weird cut to no one. But uh, hopefully, we've got a bit of time and you enjoyed uh, Dom previewing the game uh, on Sunday. Let's crack on, though, Jack, with some questions from our listeners. Uh, we, we have danced around Sunday this week as well, obviously, on the pod. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll come up on some similar subjects now in a minute. First of all, uh, Bloke Ocean. Hello, Bloke Ocean. Uh, hello, Bloke. Is it hello. wrong of me to enjoy your podcast as much as I do? Smiley face. No, you can enjoy it as much Go as I do. Go and get want. help
3: go and get help mate <laughs> you, yeah me do what you need to look, look after yourself
2: look no. after <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you very much we're glad you enjoyed the podcast um big owl palace hello big, big owl, owl big owl jd have you checked if wembley sells diet coke this I, i'll be honest this is becoming a bit more of a thing than i thought it would A bit of a runaway thing um but he was delighted to know big owl i've checked and they sell Diet Coke at Wembley. It's looking good, guys. See you at the final, guys. Yeah, see the final. Don't even bother going Sunday, I wouldn't say, if <laughs> anything. Just, uh, just, just keep end of May for it. S-
3: stick that on the Chelsea dressing room wall.
2: <laughs> stick that on their wall, mate. That will do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, so yeah do follow me on instagram because i'll be i'll be i'll be finding the coke some diet coke bottle of diet coke um and uh, yeah i'm glad that's become a fun little thing for people really have to add that caveat in um so there we go that's good news um gareth richards hello gareth hi gareth i'm still yeah. buzzing for wembley he says that's all he said no context but we're glad you're buzzing for you. Wembley. We're with you, Gareth. Yeah, right. We're with you, mate. Well, I, I, are, you, are you Jack as well? Because obviously last time we got to semi-final was Watford, very winnable game. This I know is a different situation, but it's Palace, it's Wembley, it's sold out. There's going to be balloons, there's going to be displays. It's going to be great whatever, surely.
3: I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I think it was after the Everton quarter-final. I, at the moment, am not looking beyond the first whistle of the game. I cannot wait to be in Wembley with 40,000 Palace fans. I think we've got up to maybe 38,000 tickets or something like that last time there was an update. I think Chelsea haven't sold, and, and Wembley have reconfigured um, the segregated areas of the ground, so we've actually got more tickets than we had. Um, I just can't wait for, for the hour before kickoff. I think the place will be packed. I, I think Palace fans will get in early. It's a 4.30 kickoff, off um, so plenty of time uh, for everyone to get in ahead of kickoff. I just can't wait. You know, whatever happens, I'll be proud of the Palace team for getting to where we've got at the moment. You know, we're dancing with perhaps three of the best teams in Europe um, in, in this kind of semi-final uh, two, two games over the weekend. And it, it's a great time to be a Palace fan. I think uh, to kind of round it all off about the, the, the good atmosphere around the club at the moment and within the fan base um, will be a day at Wembley. So I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for it to be honest. I, I, as I said, not really thinking about the game too much, obviously have thought about the game, but the the main excitement is being with friends and family and, and being with 40,000 Palace fans at Wembley is just going to be great.
2: It's going to be great. You're talking about um, starting early. How early are you you starting then? Because you've got a journey up from the South Coast. So we're
3: meeting friends and family at uh, 11 at King's Cross, which requires uh, an 8.15 train out of Hastings, which I'll board at some point, but we have pencilled in a, and no beers till Polgate rule, but um how 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 strong that line will be, I um I, I don't know. But yeah, it, it's it's all gonna contribute to a good day. I think thankfully there are a few natural breakages in the journey where beers might be difficult to get hold of, so it might be good respite at certain points. That tube journey from King's Cross to Wembley in particular might be a good
5: yeah.
4: a good break for the for the gang. Some I'm I'm I might I might head down there and just and just get on that same train at Polgate and then just and then just start singing BC Boys. <laughs> do, do mate, jump on. <laughs> If you if you can find Polgate, good luck to you. So yeah.
2: I'd say uh, I'd say no beers till Polgate. Sounds more like a country and western song. I yeah. think. <laughs>
3: record that for us that would be great Uh, yeah yeah, i don't think there'll be any recording of that but that there's actually a fair you know i think we've touched on kind of the south coast palace massive over the last year or so because of where i live and there are loads down here i think that train is as we get closer to east croydon um i think it'll just be a palace train it's easter sunday so i can't think many people will be traveling um at that time in particular so i think even the train ride up from the coast will be a good fun as well so yeah really excited
2: Stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad's convinced that if we get Liverpool in the final, we're going to beat them because he, he thinks there's... Uh, his, his theory is um, they they can't beat us three times in one season and we can't beat City two times in one season and also adding the 1990 romanticism. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because we've got to get through the game first. Um, Sean, we've had a question here from CPFC Monk 08. Mm. Hi, CPFC. Hello, Monk. Hi, Monk. The first seven were taken. We... He says, we have more fans than them on Sunday, so hopefully that could be the thing that gets us the game because they have the best atmosphere in England. So if you use all of that, we could win. What do you think, lads? We know that Palace fans are going to own Wembley yeah. on Sunday, but uh, can it actually be a factor? Um, I
4: mean, I remember when I was editing when he was there, like the, the players all said about, like you, you got to the stadium, and, you, and then when he walked out, and they saw the, the R side packed to the rafters, and and what we did that day, and I remember going through all the rushes from that day, and and you know that was probably my favourite part of editing the whole thing was, yeah. you know, seeing everyone at the at the Green Man, and we're going to be there again, and um, you were interviewed actually on that day, I think. Yeah. I think it made the cut. I but, uh, so we, <laughs> I can't really remember <laughs> it to be honest. Either you were uh, you were like bricking it. <laughs>
5: <That> sounds <laughs> not right.
4: Um, but we get to relive that all over again, don't we? Um, oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, I think it, I think it will play, play a factor because, you know, players always talk about how, how the Palace fans turn up at, when they turn up at Wembley and you just see that and you go, Oh my goodness, here we go. Like we've got all of these South Londoners screaming at us. Like, yeah, it's going to fire them up. I think it's going to, I mean, you, you know what the new players have, how much they've taken to the club and and the fans, you know, you always hear them talking about it and, I think uh those two things coming together you know this young side and this sort of new sort of re- rejuvenated club that we are at the moment it's it's going to feel like a brilliant coming together of what's been a very very good season and um yeah I just I can't wait I cannot can't wait. Have you
2: starting. got an 8:15 start?
4: Uh not an 8:15 start. No no no. <laughs> I'll probably uh I probably won't be able to sleep to be honest so i um, I might, I might mm-hmm. be up early and maybe reliving some of the old maybe I'll watch Renegades there again if
2: anyone if anyone's not if anyone's not watched it yet why haven't you watched it what are you doing but yeah <laughs> that would definitely get you in the mood I think that's a good that's a good shout spoiler indeed
3: spoiler alert we do go
2: up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I certainly forgot alert. jack cos <laughs> <laughs> I think I, it's funny cuz obviously oh. it's 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 Chelsea, and no one's expecting us to, to to win. And we obviously got there six years ago. But I think it's one of those things where I'm feeling quite relaxed going into it. But I'm sure come Sunday morning, those sort of pre-game jitters and nerves and, yeah. that, and that that anxious, almost like that anxious, excited energy will sort yeah. of come back. And I think it's very mm-hmm. hard to stop that when you support a team like Palace. Because when you support a team yeah. like Chelsea, you probably get used to going to Wembley into finals and into big games yeah. quite a lot. With Palace. You, I mean, I think when being a Chelsea fan, you probably can. And I'm sure there are loads of committed, and I'm definitely on, you know, normal fans. But you probably can be a little bit armchairy about it. But when you're Palace, yeah. you have to be all in the whole time, whether it is yeah. Wembley or home to Leicester or anything like that. You know, you have to be all in. So I think that makes these games even more special for us. And it's probably then very difficult to, to ignore the anxieties and the nervousness because it does matter to us. But I think in a way, Jack, that's why we do so well as the, as the fans in the stands because fans like Chelsea would be like, okay, well back at Wembley third time in four years, or whatever. Oh, we, we better organize something or do something. But with Palace fans, it's like, well, this is what we do. This is our duty as fans to do this. And it's actually second nature to create that atmosphere and have these, um, uh, displays and stuff, and I think that's why maybe United didn't get it in 2016, and Chelsea probably won't get it this Sunday. Cause it's just a different existence supporting a team like Palace and a top six team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's many contributing factors to this, but Chelsea's tickets went all the way down to so I think. Not, not even members, but people with a previous booking history at Chelsea could get a ticket. So even if you've got like a customer reference number, you could get tickets now. And I, to this point, I don't know if they've actually sold out, which I think kind of illustrates your point, JD, that it's not as big a deal to them. Not all of them, sorry, I mean, them as a wider fan base. I'm sure there's Chelsea fans who are absolutely yeah. buzzing for an FA Cup semi-final. Mm. So that's, I'm not casting aspersions against all fans there, but as a wider fan base... They're clearly not as fast as we are, whereas, you know, we've lapped up every set of new tickets that have come out and, and and are going to make the the effort as a fan base. The HF asked fans to raise money and fans duly obliged very quickly. So um, it, it, it will have that factor. And it's, it's as to whether the players, how they respond to that. Either they'll be daunted by it or they won't be. Um, and I do think the fact that Mark Gay and Tyreek, hopefully, who will be fit, have recently broken their kind of Wembley duck in terms of appearing there yeah. will take away part of that. Jürgen Anderson was part of the Denmark squad who played a European semi-final. That I know he didn't come on the... He may have come on the pitch actually in the second half, but it, either way, he's experienced a massive game at Wembley. That getting off the bus at Wembley is unlikely to phase him. Joel Ward, Nat Klein both played at Wembley. Klein for England, Ward played there for Palace in a in semi-final, in a final. Wilfs played there. Jimmy Max played there. We've got players in this squad who this isn't the first time um, and that, that's a good thing. I think for, for the fan base, we can get wildly excited. It, it's great for fans to go to Wembley. What we know is happening at Beckenham this week, If there's conversations about, we've been here before, boys, this is our chance. And for some of those players, Wilf, Macker, this could be the defining moment of their careers. This really could be, you know, I think we've said on previous pods, the likes of Gaye, maybe Elise they may well go on to exceed winning an FA Cup for Crystal Palace in the future. Who knows? But for some players, this is it. This is their big opportunity. And and I really hope for the likes of Macker and Wilf, we do do it on the pitch on, on Sunday and get to the final and then have the uh, small duty of having to beat either Liverpool or Man City. The, definitely the two best teams in Europe at the moment. Um, as um, somebody said to me the other day, if we win the FA Cup with the clubs that are currently left in it, it's effectively like winning the Champions League. And if you think of it like that, that's yeah. how daunting a challenge it is, is in terms of on the pitch. And I think Selzy on the post-match pod said we have a one in five chance on um, on, on Sunday. So to, to win the semi and then the final, heaven knows what odds we are for the, for the cup now. But forget all that. We're going to Wembley and, and whatever happens on the pitch will will take care of itself. Um, but yeah, I think Palace will, will certainly show people watching from home how
2: it's meant to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think, Sean, there's an element of having a younger squad now I assume it's younger on average than 2016 but certainly the youngest squad we've had it in a while that that kind of that confidence of youth actually might even help break through any sort of pre-Wembley nerves
4: possibly yeah I guess so um we you know I think it's they always quote the quote you always hear is a great mix of experience and and youthful exuberance isn't it mm. and I think that's what this squad's got really right this season in previous years we've had a lot too much experience and not enough youthful exuberance. So I think having that, having that right balance is going to be really, really important. Um, but yeah, you're probably right. You know, maybe the fact that maybe players like Tariq, um, you know, and and a few others, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a huge game, but I mean, we've seen them step up against the best teams in the country and go toe to toe and play brilliantly all season. Um, so I, I, I don't think they're going to be phased by it. And hopefully, yeah, we as fans can, uh, can be that, that 12 man, uh, and just help them. Um, and we've got to, we've got to believe that that's what we're there for. And that's why, and that's why we can get so excited about it as well. Um, <clears throat> I think we've got a great chance. I think I really do.
2: Yeah. Well, obviously cup games are one off, some, you know, we've seen upset plus four, so you never know. Um, crucially though, one factor we haven't talked about yet, uh, has come from listener magic cheese 72. Hey magic. Hello magic. Hey, magic. Have we all sorted our Wembley colors? After I lost on Sunday, I've had a last minute change of what to pack for a holiday to North Wales. We're coming back a day early for the game. Well played. But what is your lucky colours slash kit and superstitions? Yellow sash we wore and won against Chelsea 2-1 for me. Any lucky kit, Jack, for you? Have you got Have you got your outfit sorted?
3: I've got options, outlines. <laughs> the, they're currently hanging up. Um, have been asked why there's multiple football shirts out. And there is valid reason for that. Yes, so they'll just valid. have to stay out. Yeah. Um, uh, I will go red and blue because the team are in red and blue. Um, And I think I've always worn red and blue to Wembley. Um, I guess it depends how nice this new retro shirt is, but Mm. I might just wear that for family functions over the Easter weekend instead (laughs) to see how well that goes down. Um, But no, I will go red and blue. um, And I'm glad we're playing in red and blue. I don't think in this yellow away kit this season, I don't recall too many wins, if any, to be honest. So um, I'm glad we're playing, um, playing in red and blue. Um, but yeah it's important to get an idea of you don't want to be panicking on Saturday as to what you're wearing guys no. get get, no. In there. get in there and whether there whether it incurs domestic uh, torture <laughs> for a few nights then don't worry about it it's
4: worth it
2: indeed I'm glad uh, this came
4: up actually because I got I, I, I was digging through old shirts and stuff before the Everton game and I sort of tried on like three or four and I was just like oh, I don't like any of these like some of them were really naff or just didn't fit or just was so faded and gross and then I've got like the old like '60s kit, you know, like the claret and blue with the thin oh, yeah. blue lines, yes. and then like it's got Crystal Palace calligraphy on it, and then yeah. actually got number ten on the back of that. And I wore that when we played Watford. Um, I don't know if I wore it for the FA Cup final. But, but for the Everson game, I found this one that I actually got out of, um, like, this old, like, uh, shed, basically, that was at the training ground, just full of old gear. That, oh, and amazingly, I got loads of stuff out there. I got <laughs> Fraser Campbell's FA Cup final boots that he obviously <laughs> didn't wear. Um, I took those and wore those. I've uh, been wearing those at, you know, random kickabouts for ages now. <laughs> and I also found a un, an, an unbranded, um, so it should have had mansion on it, but it doesn't, uh, a weight. Wa- Away or third is the white kit from the 2016, 2015-16 season. Yeah. Um, so it's the one, it's got red and blue going down. The one we then, wore at Chelsea in that 2-1 where Joel Ward, yes. the friend of the pod, scored yes. the winner. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, I wore, <laughs> nice. uh, and I wore that to the Everton game in the end. Is and, this uh, shed still there, Sean? Is this shed still no, the sh- the sh- accessible? The, they got rid of the shed and they, they got rid of They actually did a lovely thing. They gave all of that gear, they gave it all to charity. Very nice. Uh, to, to, I think, at the time... <laughs> and the charity maybe... said, Fraser Campbell's boots. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <right. laughs> you know, one of the other lads got Connor Wickham's because um, he was a size, you know, cajillion. Well, they were definitely that, unworn. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what I'll be wearing. It's, um, it's a nice little number. I've got to say, I'm, I'm very pleased with it.
2: Nice one, mate. That sounds good. Speaking of Palace player memories, oh, Sean, I
4: will. Oh, sorry, JD, but
3: Sean, I will buy you several beers if you do wear Fraser Campbell's boots across London. <laughs> on, <Sunday. laughs> I
4: think I've lost them now. Okay. Oh, I, no. I can't find them anymore. Uh, better that
2: setting up full kit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I had my stag at Sellhurst uh, in 2018, and uh, one of my mates, uh, Mark Rizzo, actually Palace I don't know, um, used to do local reporting. Um, got injured. And they gave him Connor Wickham's crutches. Apparently, according to whoever the uh, the guys, uh, whoever, wow. they, whoever the some John's Ambulance people were, so, <laughs> so he had Connor Wickham's crutches to hobble off after doing his ankle. I think so. Designated crutches. <laughs> there you yeah, you go. That's great. There you go. Um, right. Uh, we are get, in a minute. I'm going to ask you questions about left back and about Connor in the middle. Before we do that, we've got a fantastic question here from Stuart Shave. Hello, Stuart. Stuart. Sounds Hello, Stuart. more like a sounds more like an order than a name, doesn't it? Like more like a command, but never mind. Um, if you could take one player from our 1990 semi-final win over Liverpool and put him in the team on Sunday, who would it be, Jack? What question? Mark Bright. Oh, Brighty! Mark yes. Bright. Great shout.
3: Um, love John Philippe. He's, he's clearly impressed us all, but. I think Mark Bright, in his pomp up top, with the uh, the rest of the team around him, would cause uh, Chelsea nightmares. So, obviously, no EM right to call upon if it's from the semi-final. So, I'd, I'd go Mark Bright.
2: Would um, Would Mark Bright ask fans before the game uh, to shout "boom" when he celebrates a goal?
3: I don't know how I feel about that. You know, <laughs> really? <You're not laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure choreographing fans celebrating goals. I would. I would now not expect Jean-Philippe to bag for another twelve months after that <laughs> request. I think that is that is absolutely there for meme material for the rest of time. To be honest, um, hoping that that goes away very quickly, but asking fans to do a particular thing when he scores—not for me.
2: It's um, it's a good chant though, Sean, isn't it? The boom, 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 boom.
4: I've not heard it. What well, I, 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 I mean, I heard it the other day, but I didn't understand what was going on. What What is the chant? Do
2: you know what they should do? It's more on podcast actually. Explain chants. It's um, it's to Venga Boys. Uh... What right. in my room. Is that the song? I saw like, boom, the video boom, 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 of him
4: boom. doing the stepovers. Is it because yeah. of that? No, I don't. I don't uh, know no, where it's Pal- from. I think Palace
2: fans
3: just after a game. Yeah. Put the lyrics together. I think it came out. I think the first video I saw of it was from a
2: house pie. I think it's great. So uh, it's boom boom, think... boom boom boom. Mateta's in the room. There ain't oh, no striker better but than John philippe, philippe, philippe Mateta. Yeah, That's yeah. actually. I, I
4: really lovely. like that. Yeah. It is is that what he? Is that what they were singing when uh, he walked off? uh when he got subbed the other day yeah and he went
2: the other way yeah. around the pitch oh,
4: see, so, so i heard it i was like i couldn't make out what they were singing because i was right over the other side in the in the main stand um oh good to know yeah. all right i'm gonna learn that one now
2: there we go um, there's
4: some um, some dutch pop producers who are suddenly getting royalties and they
3: have yeah. no idea why
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. fantastic <laughs> The boom thing, though, I think, like, it, it, unfortunately, it does have a sort of little, reminds you of the Ronaldo-Sue stuff a little bit, which is very annoying. Um, but it's probably one of those things that in the moment when it happens and you run into a corner flag and he kicks it, you probably do it because it's one of those yeah. in the moment. JD,
3: I didn't say I'm not going to do it. I just said I don't want him coming out <laughs> asking for it.
2: Fair. All right, fair. <laughs> um, let's. Oh, okay, Sean, sure, let's have your, your player from 1990 then. Who would you stick in the current team?
4: I'm going to go with John Pemberton at uh, oh, right yeah. back. Cause I think he'd be a great marauding fullback in this Vieira team. Uh, I think Klein, he's done brilliantly since he's come in, obviously I'm a fan of Joe Ward, but I think someone like Pembo would really thrive in this palace team. And, you know, obviously in that 1990 semi final, he had a big impact um, doing exactly the opposite. Like you said, of what uh, earlier, what couple wanted him yeah. to do and keep it tight at the back. He just marauded forward and uh, <laughs> affected the game. Um, yeah. And uh, from what I've heard as well, from, from people at the club, people like Terry Byfield, they always talked about Pember as like a big part of that team. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd go John Pemberton.
2: Good answers, very good answers indeed. Um, let's move on to the actual Palestine for Sunday, then. JD, uh, what about you? What, who are you picking for that yeah, one? Oh, yeah, who would one? I pick? Um the, the player that's coming to mind is Jeff Thomas. Yeah, just, was, just because yeah. of how good he was. I mean, he was just blue, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, sweet left foot, like just yeah, great player. So
4: Maybe you
2: really slot in next to Kiarte, possibly be replacement block for Kiarte. I guess Kiarte and, and Jeff. Maybe, yeah, probably. I mean, you wouldn't play him further forward because he wasn't. Not, no. wasn't quite the Gallagher sort of player. though I guess he, you know, he had legs, didn't he? So he, he, uh, he could get box to box. But I'll I just check think...
3: the laws. I'll check the laws and see if he can play on his bike. See if <laughs> he can... Cycling around Wembley would be a good sight. Yeah, <laughs> good great old shout! Jeff.
10: Well, great shout! Now. I
3: think he'd still do a job yeah. in the modern game, given how. He played. I, I, yeah, I think he um, maybe played before his time, Jeff Thomas. I think with yeah, the skills he, he had, was, I think yeah, he yeah. he would now be one of those kind of 10 to 15 goals a, midf- a season midfielder and
2: yeah. probably worth 50 million pounds or something <laughs> He was an all-rounder. Was all-rounder, wasn't he? he was, yeah yeah if um if we make the final i'm gonna get jeff back on the podcast because he's been a while since he's been on and he's a he's the loveliest guy in the world so uh, and, mark you bright. and mark bright and brighty yeah also a lovely guy so, and john pemberton and Pembo. <laughs> we'll get them all on we'll do a uh we'll do a special um the what an incentive to palace there um Speaking of midfielders, then put that uh, on the dressing room wall, <laughs> that in the stick Chelsea that on the room. wall.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> They're talking about the cup final podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, bloke Ocean says, If Gallagher leaves Palace for a, a bit part at Chelsea next season, can we ask him not to play against us? <laughs> Very good. Um, nice. and uh, Chaz Lucas and Ricky B are both asking, Who'd be your midfield three? Uh, for the weekend Chaz uh, says Kiate Schlapp Maka for me with Eze coming on Yeah, uh, and in fact Ricky says do we need to change our formation to compensate Gallagher's absence Jack I don't think that would change the formation and I think actually that probably will be the three would that be your three that'd
3: be my midfield three the only thing that springs to mind is against Chelsea in the league in February Elise came inside and played the 10 with um, with, yeah. with a slight rejig to the formation so I don't know if that will happen in a one-off cup semi-final but and it obviously depends on on Michael Elise's availability. But um, yeah, that's something that did spring to mind. But I do think he'll go with the with the three in midfield. And do you uh, think if he's fit, he'll play Elise? No, Over are you? No, I don't, I don't no, think no, he will. No, I don't. I think he'll play Jordan Iu and Elise. I mean, the idea of Elise and Eze coming on for Palace in a yeah. cup semi final. The only thing with that is then you do lose quality. But as we saw with Iu against Arsenal just a week <clears> ago. <throat> When that guy does turn up, he's he's very very good. So I, I, I have no problem option. with Are you? Yeah, I, I have um, no issue with Are you starting or Are you coming
4: team's. on? But
2: yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. it's um, it's options galore for Patrick, isn't it? I hope. Um, yeah, I hope we have Elise on the bench though. Was he on the bench against Leicester? No, no, no. Oh, hopefully we have him on the bench. That'd just be such a great option. That it? yeah, it would I, be. I,
3: I hope that was in mind of a little bit like. As I hope Tyreek's substitution was, I hope not appearing on the bench mm. was to just give him that extra few days that he might need. Um, I, th- yeah.
2: I think we can assume, Sean, that it will be uh, Wolf, IU probably, and Meteta up top. Um, I can't imagine Benteke or Eduard will start, although, you know, they may get. I will say on Sunday, actually, that was the slight problem with making the three subs so early is that Mateta yeah. had to stay on and Mateta rarely does past sort of 65 minutes. And he looked very leggy he late spent, on. Wasn't he? Yeah. And actually having yeah. the legs of Edward off the bench would have actually been incredibly useful. Um, but because of the Tyreek injury, of course they had to, uh, make a sub, uh, there, but when I read out Chazzy's midfield three there, you nodded, that would be your three with Eze coming on.
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, th- I think that's sensible. Um, and I think yeah, in a big game like that, you needs uh, we need to be pressing a bit more early on. And I think Maka will do that better than Ebbs further up the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could even rotate. And if Maka's still got the legs, I don't think he will, but you could uh, then bring on Eze for one of those for any of those three and rotate it round. I think. Um, but I could see it being a like for like later on in the game if we're if it's still in the balance or even if we're chasing to bring up Ebbs for Macca.
2: Yeah, I think they're good options to have. Um, Ricky B also says, is there the right number of red or blue balloons for a trip to Wembley? as many as you can fit in your pocket I think Jack isn't it to be honest that's the rule just get them in blow them up inside yeah we'll be good Indeed. Um, well, who was it tweeting the other day? Someone saying, "Do you blow them up before or after you get in the ground?" Obviously after. Have you ever tried to get to a turnstile with fucking ten <laughs> balloons in your hand? I was
3: thinking more. I was, I was thinking more the Metropolitan Line, trying to get them on there. But yeah,
2: <laughs> like um, a stag
5: do.
4: Yeah, um, Daddy, okay. I, might, I might need to get you to pick pick me up some actually, because obviously I'm in the more in the in the South London Fulton Heath area, so um, <laughs> they might sell. They might actually sell out round here, knowing the
2: they shops around do. here. <laughs> yeah, they're probably sold out on the Palace website as well. To be honest, along with the bloody foam fingers as well, um, but. I'm sure Lor- there'll be loads of balloons.
3: Do you think Lorimers on Norwood High Street have reopened just to sell balloons for a week, like a pop-up? Oh. Like well, if, the old toy shop. So uh, if they haven't, you can they've been taking a trick. Out. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> still so, do. Mr. and Mrs. Lorimer, if you're out there, open up a pop-up, you'll make a killing <laughs> this weekend.
2: Yeah. Um, the other uh lineup change, Jack, well, we're hoping won't happen, and you said before, is Tyreek Mitchell. Bloke Ocean's back again. I think that's three questions this week. This guy's smashed it in the questions. He Is sponsored it... the pod. <laughs> he... Give him more mentions might, him than the sponsor. I have to send him an invoice. <laughs> um, will we have Mitchell at the back and Elise a in attack for the semi? And he's put four um, cross fingered emojis. And if not, who? And Theo Barreto7, great hey, Theo. name. That's a great name. <laughs> the um, yeah, has said, sounds like a sort of fashion designer, um, has said, <laughs> who should start in the semi final? Oh, you're going to hate this one, actually, Jack. If Mitchell was injured, Ward or a plank of wood, IMO, the plank of wood. Very harsh. I'm,
3: uh, th- right. See <laughs> <Not> even.
2: <laughs> nice, Theo, you're banned from future podcasts.
3: <laughs> That's just it, though. No, I mean, honestly, what type of question is that? <laughs> For God's sake, anyway. Um, yeah, jo- Joel Ward. If the, if the options are a plank of wood and Joel <laughs> Ward, I would, I would start the human being.
2: over the of object yeah if
3: you're my answer (laughs) thanks thanks for the question
2: uh so what are we doing Uh, uh, if the news comes out he's not playing tyree then um what are we thinking i think the
3: there have been murmurings that you played tayo adamarola which just strike me as completely (laughs) ridiculous um the bloke plays 65 (laughs) minutes of first team football and you're putting him in a a FA Cup semi-final
2: yeah that that
3: won't happen there's no chance that's gonna happen so you've got options you've got jeff schlup you got yep. Jairo Reederfeld, or you play Ward and Klein as your two fullbacks, and decide who plays left, who plays right. I think, given that his instinct the other day was to keep Schlupp in midfield, and especially as we're, we'd be missing Gallagher, I think to, I think to put Schlupp left back would make sense if Gallagher was playing, and you then wouldn't yeah. be taking two thirds of your decent midfield of the last few weeks out. Yeah. I, I think that's why Schlupp will play centrally in midfield, and therefore. and and as well as gyro did when he came on against stoke and scored the winner i think Vieira will want his defense to be tight and therefore i think the most likely option if if tyreek is not available is that Klein plays
4: left back and ward plays right back i think i think the you know the reaction to you know the options there is is it makes it even clearer why tyreek came off doesn't it it's like Yeah. yeah It's, it's not like worth it have to we don't want to have to consider it we want Tyreek in that team it just makes that yeah. back four seem so much more uh, like a collective um,
3: i do i do think as well what this does is just highlight the impact and influence that guy now has in our team
5: yeah, yeah. and
3: for me and i know we'll talk jd before the end of the season about player of the year but that's for me why Tyreek Mitchell is our player of the season because yeah. one injury doubt about him and we're saying he's going to impact us defensively and he's going to impact us going forward um, I think that just shows how fundamental he is to the way that we've played for the last uh, six months or so. So um, I, I hope he will appear for the reasons that I outlined earlier. I was quite confident that it was a precaution rather than a, a, a requirement. So I hope that we do see him Um on, on Sunday, but there yeah, there are options. We, we're not without options, but one of those options is not Tayo Adamarola.
2: Um, when uh, you're absolutely right about the influence he has in this team, and when he went down injured, my dad turned to me on on Sunday at the King Power and said, "The one position." It's literally the one we guy we don't want an injury. Yeah. The and one that's position happened,
3: that's happened a few times this season where he's gone down, and I can't remember. It might have been Chelsea at home actually, and I think the following week or the previous week against Brentford away, he'd also gone down and needed to be looked at. It's the one guy we haven't got covered. And we said at the start of the season we haven't got a left back cover we've got people that can drop in but we have not got a left back uh, unless you consider tayo and i i think tayo's clearly shown his development through the youth ranks that it, there's definitely a player there but whether he's not whether he's ready or not to be a reserve left back in the premier league i i don't know uh, i don't think so at this stage so that's probably an area for the club come the summer
2: there is of course fa cup hero uh martin kelly so you know we're not we're not out of options guys Kells could do You know what? Job. If if sure. Kelly is I named an Kelly.
3: hour before kickoff, the excitement I have that I've just described before <laughs> in the hour before kickoff might reduce slightly. And that's no there's no comment about Martin Kelly, but the idea of Martin Kelly at left back in an FA Cup semi final
2: <laughs> is I went right back with Kleinie at left, but I mean oh, with anyway. at left back. Yeah. Good old Kells. I yeah, love may, Kelly.
3: May, may, yeah, maybe. May, maybe JD. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Who knows? All I'm saying is there are options. Um there's no, definitely please, options. Please, we'll we'll cover safe. it. Please yeah. be fit, hope Please be fit. Um I think that's it, guys. We've rattled through the questions. We've covered all bases there. There's nothing more to say apart from, Sean, I'll see you Sunday.
4: See you Sunday. Oh, my gosh. Cannot wait. It's just going to be such a great celebration, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It's going to be great. Jack, get, get some rest the night before for your early start on Sunday.
3: Will do. And I'm I'm already looking forward to five to 10,000 Palace fans in the Green Man Garden doing an Easter egg hunt. Can't wait. going to be brilliant. (laughs) It's going to be
2: lovely. Uh, Thank you so much, both of you, uh, for joining us. Uh, Thanks to our listeners uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks to our patrons, of course, patreon.com slash FYP podcast. And thank you to Eternity Home Finance as well. Uh, Do check them out. Email at sorry do check them out info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP uh, for a free consultation as well Uh, that's it enjoy the rest of your week try not to get too nervous folks we'll see you on Sunday post-match pod for the patrons immediately straight after the game at Wembley and then next week's pod we'll be chatting about Palace playing in the final of the FA Cup anyway (laughs) take care we'll see you again (laughs) soon bye